This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. That's become the church paradigm. We're waiting for Sunday. Just like this man was waiting for his opportunity. We come on Sundays. We're hoping Sunday. Man, I sure hope Pastor Norris has got it this Sunday. He didn't have it last Sunday, but I hope maybe he'll have it this Sunday. And I'll get my need met. Come on. I'm talking about changing our viewpoint. About church, our church paradigm, a church without walls. See, well, we can have walls, even if even if they're not physical walls like these around us. They had set walls here. The walls were okay. You wait on the porch when the angel comes at a certain time. And if you read this in the Greek, when it says at a certain time, it meant at a at a heaven set time, but not a chronologically set time. So they couldn't say, okay, at twelve o'clock on Thursday the angel's gonna come. So man, I'm gonna just already be in the water when he comes. No, it was a set time, but it was set by heaven. In other words, God, they didn't know when the angel was going to come. And that's the way we view church a lot of times. We just keep showing up on Sundays thinking, one of these Sundays, you know, the pastor's going to have it, and I'm going to get it. We're waiting on Sunday. We've got to change our viewpoint about that. You know, we built our walls in, our, in the modern-day church, we have our walls. We have our parameters. We have our paradigms. And we say, this is how God moves. This is where God works. This is how God works. And, you know, and that's it. And, you know, this man here, I mean, I, I haven't calculated. Maybe if you got your calculator there, somebody could do it for us. How many days are in 38 years? You got your phone there. Whip out your calculator and raise your hand and tell us. That'd be an interesting to know. That's a lot of days, though, isn't it? We know 10 years would be, what, 3,650, right? Or something like that. Yeah. So 30 years times that would be over 10,000. That's a long time, isn't it? That's longer than some of you young folks have been alive. But this morning I want to think about Let's think about that. It, is that it? Is that, is that God's plan? That we just, you know, we just go through life and... And somehow we don't know how or why, but suddenly God just shows up in a service or in a prayer meeting or something, and, and, and we get our need met. You know, it was all fine and good if you were the first one in, but what about the rest of those folks? What about this poor guy? Can you imagine? I wonder how much discouragement and disappointment he had to fight. Boy, the angel's moving. Because he told Jesus, if you go on and read there, he said, every time I get ready to do it, he said, somebody gets in before I do. Is that it? God's just on occasion going to meet one person's need and the rest of us are just, I don't know what we're going to do. I believe that Jesus, when we saw Jesus, he changed the paradigm. He asked this man, he said, do you want to be well? Now, that seems like the craziest thing in the world to ask a sick person. I mean, the guy's been here waiting 38 years for something to happen, for something supernatural. He's been waiting for 38 years, and Jesus comes up and says, you want to be well? Wait. So what are you going to do, Jesus? Are you going to go trouble the waters for us? And the guy, of course, made the right response. Obviously, yes, I do. And Jesus said, be made whole, take your bread and walk. But Jesus changed the paradigm. All of a sudden, instead of the people having to come to the porch at Bethesda and wait for a time that nobody knew when it was going to happen, all they had to do was find Jesus. Because if they got to Jesus, they would be healed. They would be forgiven. Their lives would be set free. So we're talking about a church without walls. So let's talk about some of the walls that block our view. There's institutional and organizational walls that really... We've allowed to define who we are. And one of them I've already mentioned, the big one is, is Sunday morning. We think this is where God does whatever God does. 
You know, this is, I mean, you know, if I need healing, I'm waiting for Sunday. Sure hope pastor's got it. Sure hope the worship team, man, they, mm, they get us in there. Well, all that has its place. But see, we've, we've def- created a small box and said, this is how God's going to work. And did you know, Jesus said over and over to people, he said, may it be done unto you according to your faith. So if your faith says the only time God is going to work is on Sunday morning, guess when God's going to work in your life? Sunday morning, because you've just set down the parameters in your life. Now, you know what? Maybe it's because, you know, I I didn't come from a churchy background. I came back in the Jesus movement. Some of you young folks will have to Google that. That's back in the 60s and 70s. You know, and and the hippies and some of us who were hippie wannabes, you know, we came out of that, that drug culture and everything. I didn't get saved in church. I got saved praying over an old uh, used washing machine. Now, wait a minute. God don't do it that way. In the back of a, a friend of mine's store, they sold appliances and repaired appliances, and we were in the back where the warehouse part was, and that was my altar. I pray, we, we, were pray, we were around an old water, broke down washing machine. Well, that can't be right. I, I mean, you know, you you got to be in a church service, and you got to it's got to be preached, and we we got to sing some songs, and then we got to you know, and then we got to give the altar call, and then we got to come down to the front, and then we got to pray for people, and well, there's nothing wrong with that, but that that wasn't way I got saved. It must have worked. It's been 42 years. I'm still going. Amen. I bet some of you, you've got a testimony similar to that. Maybe if you got saved in church, we're happy for that. But you know what? God didn't have to wait till Sunday morning to do something. What has happened is because we built that paradigm in the modern day church, it's created this clergy laity thing where people like me, we expect that's, that's the person God's going to use to do everything. He's going to do the preaching, the teaching, the praying. Everything's going to happen. That's going to happen. It's going to happen through the clergy. going to happen through the pastor. going to happen through the evangelist. going to happen through somebody like that. But that's not the church. The, our, our paradigm about creating walls, uh, institutional walls, and we're calling that the church. You know what it does? It's created a passive believer. Because we have institutionalized the way that God works and moves. And we said that God's not going to work through, you know, the average believer. Well, I got news for you. That's the only way God's going to work. Because even though I may be called to be a pastor, I'm still an average believer. You know what the average believer is? He's saved by grace because of the blood of Jesus, by the work of God. He's indwelt by Christ and the Holy Spirit. He's been given the name and the promises of God, and he's been given a mandate to go into all the world. That's the average believer. That's average. Amen? So I'm just, I've got a particular function, so do you. I'm just an average believer, just like you. But averaging God is pretty grand. Actually, we could say average in God is extraordinary. Amen. God hadn't called us to do that. Oh, and and this, this, these institutional walls also get us thinking about event-oriented. See, these people at these five porches, you know what they were? They weren't God-focused. They were event-oriented. At a certain time, when a certain thing happens, something will happen to us. In their case, it was when an angel came down, nobody knew when, and the waters were troubled, and then if I'm the first one to get in, I get something. Well, that's all about an event. They weren't God-focused. They weren't Jesus-focused. They were event-focused. And how many times does in the modern church people come to, to church on Sunday morning, and it's not only institutional, but it's event. We're going to have an event Church is an event that happens once a week. And we come to that event, and we hope that the worship team and the prayer team and the pastor, they've got it all together. 
And, and you know, when all those things happen to, to, to just dovetail just right and everything is just right and the atmosphere is just right and it's not too hot and it's not too cold, then boom, something happens. And I got it. It's event-oriented. We've got to get beyond that. The church without walls, it's not about an event. It's not about an institutional thing where certain few people do it and everybody else is a spectator. We've got to change our worldview. Now, uh, look in Mark 7. Jesus, I like Jesus. He broke, the, he broke out of the box. He broke the mold. See, now, we've tried to institutionalize Jesus. Are you listening to me? We've tried to present a Jesus that looked like, you know, a conformity. Come on. Everybody's got to, you know, look just like us. Didn't matter whether we were, you know, Pentecostal or Baptocostal or whatever we were. It's all a man's label anyway. You don't find any of those labels in here, in the book, in the Bible. When Jesus came, you know, in his day, you know, the Sabbath was institutionalized. You met on the Sabbath. It started at a certain day. You had certain rituals you could do, certain things you couldn't do. You had to do it that way. But here comes Jesus this crazy fanatic prophet, son of God, Jesus, and starts breaking the mold. Here's one of the way he broke it, with who he hung out with. You just didn't do what Jesus did. Listen to this, Matthew 7. Oh, excuse me, Matthew, uh, did I say 7? Uh, Mark, Mark 7. Turn to, uh, before we get there, turn to Mark well, let's read that first. We'll get to the other one in just a minute. Mark 7, 13. We'll read this one. He, he's talking about, if you go back and look at the previous verses, he's talking about that in his days, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, because they'd institutionalized church, they'd come up with all their traditions and customs. And he said, the problem with your traditions and customs in verse 13, he says, is that they, they nullify the Word of God by your traditions that you've handed down. And here's the amazing thing, that in Jesus' day, the institutionalized church of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he said, because you've institutionalized it, because you've got all these customs and traditions that you've added on in your own thinking and the way you conduct church, he said, you have nullified the Word of God. Uh I, I want you, listen, that's a bigger statement than you realize. Did you know you can nullify the effectiveness of God's Word in your life? And Jesus said, your traditions and customs do it. Because, see, we, we, we've allowed something to define that is not of God and not of the kingdom of God. But God says, okay, if that's the, way you, if that's the only way you think I can work in your life, He said, then that's the only way I'm going to work. But if you so build so many walls, then he says, I can't work at all. It's nullified. Isn't that right? It's nullified. What does nullify mean? It means to, 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 to eliminate, doesn't it? It means to bring to zero. You know, I've given you this illustration before. You know, if I want to go from here to that chair, what, maybe three feet? It's right there. At this rate, how long will it take me to get there? 38 years? I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop in my tracks, aren't I? We, we have to be careful about that. And Jesus said, our traditions. Now, you know, we have different ones than they have. You know? We, you know, I, I'm thinking about just sometimes I want to just come in and change up the whole way we do the service. Maybe come in and start preaching first. Some people would miss half the sermon. Don't worry, I'm not looking at you. And do the worshiping last. Wouldn't that be something? I'll come in and do the prayer first. Then the worship. Maybe change it up a little bit. Because we, it's so easy. Human beings, we, 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 we like our customs. We like everything to be, you know, just so. 
And while that has its place, it also has its limits. And that's what we were talking about, the church without walls. We need to change our viewpoint institutionally. We need to change our worldview. Jesus said of the church, speaking of you and I, say this with me, we are the church. This is not the church. Tomorrow, somebody else will be meeting in here. If, if we had a brand new, beautiful million-dollar structure, that wouldn't be the church. We're the church. God doesn't dwell in a house made with hands. He lives in us. He lives in you. We're the temple of God. That's why we can be the church without walls. Because wherever you go, God goes. But we're called salt. How many of you know that? Jesus said, you're the salt, the salt of the earth. But you know what? He said, if the salt has lost its ability to flavor anything, it's of no value. I would add this to it. The salt that stays in the shaker is of no value. You got to get the salt out of the shaker. And in Jesus' day, salt was so valuable, it was many times people were paid in salt. It was a form of, of exchange and currency because it had the value of preserving things, not only adding flavor, but it preserved things. And if we want society to be preserved, the salt's got to get out of the shaker. That means that we've got to break down the wall. See, we come in here on Sunday mornings, and we, you know, we're getting the salt out of the shaker, but all we're doing is salting people who are already salty. We need to be salting those out there that don't have any salt. It's institutional. You're right there at Mark, turn at Mark 16. Oh my gosh, I got to hurry along. Mark 16. Read this real quick, and then we're going on. <clears throat> he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Do you know that that's not just talking to pastors or evangelists or apostles or prophets? It's talking about what? All of us, isn't it? And when we preach the gospel, and you don't necessarily have to preach it because it said Jesus taught and preached, but you can share the gospel. You know what that is? That's getting the salt out of the shaker. That's getting the church beyond institutional. It's wonderful that you invite and bring people to church. We want you to do that. But I want to tell you what, don't let that define how God wants to use you just to do that. That's good. That's wonderful. But, you know, you can open your mouth and share. Say, I don't know what to say. Give them your testimony. I once was blind, but now I can see. It's hard for people to argue with the testimony. They can argue theology with you. They can, they can argue opinion with you, but you can't, they can't argue your testimony. Amen. So we, walls that block our view, they're institutional, event-oriented. We need to change our worldview. So how are we going to break through some of these barriers? You know, we talked about the institutional barrier. And here's the insti- what's wrong with the institutional barrier. It's one time, one place, one person. One time, Sunday morning. One place, Taylor Center. One person, Pastor Norris. Just like the, the people in, all those people in the porch of Bethesda waiting for one, at one place, for one time, the moving of the waters, for one person, that angel. But you know what? One person got their need met. But what if all of us were active? Or let me say it this way. What if Jesus was active through all of us? Look how many people could be touched and changed. See, that's what's wrong. If we just define Passion Church or the church at large just in an institutional way, we've immediately limited how, God, how much God can move. You know that God can work from the patio just as easy as from the pulpit. Jesus, I mentioned Jesus changed the paradigm. Now, he, he went into the synagogue some, but most of his ministry was out in what we call the marketplace, wasn't it? 
It was out where people were working. It was out where people were living. It was out where people were hurting. I mean, he went to those people. And I mean, he hung out with some people, you know, that the institutional people of his day said, He's hanging out with tax collectors, publicans, thieves, drunkards. Oh, my God. Did you know, here's the reputation, Jesus, you know, because we look at Jesus and we say, oh, Jesus was holy and all. And he is. But see, even in that, we've got our idea all tightly packaged about what it means to be holy. Touch not, taste not, handle not. I don't chew, and I don't kick the cat, and I don't hang out with anybody who do. That's our idea of holiness. But you know that Jesus, we're going to read it in a minute, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. Not just drinking, but a drunkard. That was a reputation in his day when he was here on the earth. Woo! So you know. That whatever he was doing had to be by the power of the devil because, I mean, he's hanging out with all these people. How dare you hanging out with sinners? You got sinner friends? You better look out. <laughs> Come on. That's, that's one of our parents. Why? Because we got it in the wall. God, God, God's, here's the walls we built. This is where God, God ain't going to work out there. Well. Don't be so sure. Look in, uh, you're right there. Look back in Mark 2. That's where I wanted to go a minute ago, but let me look there real quickly. Mark 2. Listen to this. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law... Who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I, this is me adding this. I want to add, Why are you not? Why have you not been eating with tax collectors and sinners? That would be the more appropriate question. Notice what Jesus said. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick. See, when we allow Sunday to define us as a church, most of the time what we're doing is, is you got one time, one place, one person ministering medicine to those who are already well. Remember Proverbs over there said God's Word is like a medicine? There's life in the words. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are life. His words are life, aren't they? And Jesus said, he said, he said that's ludicrous. Wouldn't it be crazy if you, if you went to the doctor's waiting room and everybody in there, nobody in there was sick? Nothing wrong with them. What's your way? Oh, I just thought I'd come to the doctor, hang out. Ain't it great? Hmm, I heard he's got all kind of instruments back there. They got x-ray machines and things that can see on the inside of you. And I just thought it'd be kind of cool to come. Come on. Well, you think. You need to get a life, wouldn't you? <laughs> I need to put you to work or something. But, we, but that's what I'm saying. See, we do need to come. Of course, we need to be built up and all that. But I'm saying we, you understand what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to an extreme to make a point. But. Many times that's what's happening. Jesus said with the Pharisees in his day, he said, listen, he said, he said, the reason I'm doing this is because they are sinners. They are tax collectors, and they do need healing. They need what I got. And we could go on to say, he said, they want to receive what I got. You know, I found most times when you find people that have got it all together, they're not too teachable. You know why? Because they already know everything. So I'm not going to bother with you because you already know everything. I mean, you know, I'm going to find somebody that, that, you know, maybe they don't think they know everything yet. Maybe they, there's room for God to work in their life. Amen? You know, I've given this example before, but you remember on, on one occasion where Jesus, you know, there were, there were 5,000 besides men and women 
they estimate probably up to 15 or 20,000 were there. You remember, they'd been with him several days. He'd been teaching and ministering to them, and they were hungry. And he said, you know, have them sit down in and, and groups of fi- companies of 50s and 100s. And he prayed over the little boy's lunch. Remember that? And he gave it to his disciples. He says, okay, go feed them. Now, you think about it in your mind's eye. You know, if, 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 if it was in groups of 100 and there was, say, 20,000, what would that be, like 20 groups or whatever? It would be a lot of groups, wouldn't it? So you just imagine just a little bit of space so that you can see all those groups in your mind. So here comes the disciples. They come through the first group, and they, you know, and they're on one end of the line. And they pass the fish and the bread, 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 they pass the fish and the bread. They get right here. Pass the fish and the bread again. 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 Get right here. Pass the fish and the bread again. What do you think the folks back there in the back are going to be thinking? <laughs> hey, how about getting back here with some of that stuff? I'm pausing to let you think about that. See, if we define church strictly as Sunday morning, then you know what we're doing? We get, we're feeding them fish and the bread, fish and the bread, fish and the bread, fish and the bread, fish and the bread. Those poor souls out there that are starving. That's what Jesus said. He said, they're starving. He said, he said you know, he said, I'm going to them. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So spiritual bear, bears, we mentioned clergy and laity, but another one, the big one, is saints and sinners. We have defined in the church if you're holy, you don't have nothing to do with none of them sinners. I sure don't want to be seeing having dinner with none of them at the restaurant. Come on. It's awful quiet. Is this church or funeral? <laughs> awful quiet in here. Hey, if it was good enough for Jesus, isn't he our example as well as our Savior? You know, we get in here on Sunday morning, we sing, greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And we get out there and we're so afraid. Right. Going to get some of them sinner cooties on us. <laughs> Boy, I don't want to get none of them sinner cooties, you know. We didn't say you had to live like them. We said you had to, you know, make friends of them and love them and minister to them. Because we ain't going to get them all in this church. I'll tell you, before I was saved, I wasn't interested in coming to church. <laughs> Saints and sinners, we've got to get over it, church. We got to, I'm talking about changing our viewpoint about the church, who we are. Let's, let's don't let some of these institutional and, 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 and clergy uh, and then there's the rest of us and all these kind of wall, because they'll become a wall. And a wall is only to, either to, to keep something out or to keep something in. And Jesus doesn't want us to keep what we got. He wants us to give it away. Amen. You know, we quote Luke, Luke 6.38 all the time, don't we? Give and it shall be given. Well, you know what? That's not just true at the offering time. That's true about what we have spiritually. You give love, you get more love. You give them the truth you got, you'll get more truth. You won't have less, you'll get more. You know, Jesus, you know, well, we'll get there in a minute. What will it take? I got to, real quickly, I've got 10 minutes here. First thing is, we got to understand what our purpose is. Look at, look at Matthew 28. You probably already know this. I know this is real basic stuff, but listen, Passion Church, if we want to make a difference, because listen, I want to just be brutally frank with you. Is that okay? Can you take it? <laughs> I'll say it smiling. But, you know, here's the thing. If we're just going to do the institutional thing, listen, there are churches in this city that have got the institutional down. And I'm not being critical. I'm not. I'm just saying if that's, if that's, that's what we want to be, they've already got it down. They've got, a, they've got a program, an event for things I hadn't even thought of. You know? Single moms, you know, with autistic children that are latchkey. 
that only meet on, I mean, I mean that's things I haven't thought of. You know, that's great. If that's what God's called them to do, that's what they should be doing. But I'm saying if we're going to be, uh, if you just want to be institutional, that's the way to go. That's where to go. You know, I used to, t- years ago, of course, Dr. Graham's going on to be with the Lord. Everybody know who Billy Graham is, you know? I tell, and this would be true about any great man or woman of God. I said, I used to tell my Bible school students, I said, don't go out there and try to, you know, be Billy Graham. You can't out Billy, Billy Graham. You can't out TD, TD Jakes. There ain't, just ain't no use you going trying to be who you are. Isn't that right? And as Passion Church, we got to be who we are. And part of our expression is beyond the four walls. I do not want the four walls of a Sunday morning service to define who we are. So we got to understand our purpose. Matthew 28, real quickly, Jesus in verse 18, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. What is our purpose? Oh, we want to have a, a slam, bam, wham service. Wing, wing, people jumping in, you know. 14 prophecies, 10 messages in tongues, interpretation, 14 miracles. And then we'll, you know, we'll get into the message. Well, nothing wrong with all of that. I'm for all that stuff happening. But here's the thing. That, that's, not what, that's not what he said to do. He said, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Who's a disciple? a follower of Jesus. Somebody that's accepted Jesus and that, that is growing in their relationship and in their fellowship with him and is finding out who they are in Christ. And they're beginning to take their place, just like I read in Ephesians 2 earlier. That they're a workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works for them to do. That's who he's called us to be. And that happens outside the four walls. What I'm doing here, this doesn't really make disciples. This encourages the saints. But to make disciples, that's going to happen outside the four walls. That's one of the reasons that we're going to be kicking off in August. We're going to be kicking off small groups. Because if you read over there in Acts, it says that they broke bread from house to house. That's really where it happens. And from house to house, that's where you can begin to do some of the praying, some of the teaching, some of the preaching, some of the praying for the sick, and some of the discipleship. And see, so you can, you can get active through a small group. Then you come on Sundays, and with the Lord's help, we'll encourage you and, and, and strengthen you and edify you. But then you go out, and you be the church without walls. See, discipleship is both personal and corporate. Yes, corporately, we have a responsibility. I, as a pastor, have a responsibility to make disciples. Absolutely, we do. Again, that's why we're going to do small groups, and we're going to help give it, you know, some structure. But it's going to be structure that's not going to limit it to just one person, to a talking head. The whole group of believers will be able to participate. That's what it's all about. You finding your gifts and exercising them. You've got more than you know. You've got more in you than you know. You know how you find out how much you got in you? When you start doing something. You start teaching or preaching or praying. or do, That's when you find out, man, I didn't know that was in there. Oh, yeah. God's put a lot in there. So there's a corporate side, but there's a, there's a personal responsibility to it, too. Then we need to believe that we can do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we just put it on autopilot and we're going through the institutional motions, then you're not pleasing God, no matter how it looks outwardly. It takes faith to believe that we can. It takes faith to believe God. Amen? Believe that we can do it. We can be a church without walls. We can go out into our community and into our own lives, and what God's put in us, we can give it to other people and see God change their life. You can do it. You can do it. Let's say this together. I can do it. I can do it. Let's say that again. I can do it. Absolutely you can. Jesus said this, Mark 9, 23, I'll read it real quickly. He said this, he said, everything is possible for the one who believes. 
Everything is possible for the one who believes. So if that's true, the antithesis of it would be true also, isn't it? Nothing is possible for those who doubt. And then compassion to act. Compassion to act. Matthew 9. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. Just about to complete this. Notice what he says. Verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. We must Allow the love of God, the compassion of God to reach out from us to those who need it. Why did Jesus hang out with the publicans, the sinners, the tax collectors, the the wine bibbers as they called them and all those people? Because they needed him. Why is a doctor's waiting room full of sick folk? Because they need a doctor, don't they? We don't think that's odd. We don't say, well, doctor, what kind of practice are you running here with all these sick folk around? We don't say that, do we? But boy, we get them in the church. They come in a church meeting. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. Maybe it was like some of us were in our day. Maybe they don't even smell like us. But you know what? They need what we have. They need Jesus. If you've got Jesus, they need the love of Jesus. Notice what he says. He moved by compassion. Notice what he said to his disciples there. He said he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because what? They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't see them like the Pharisees saw them. The Pharisees said, these old dirty sinners drinking, smelling like wine, smelling up the place, old tax collectors. He said he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw who they could be. If God's grace, God's love, God's word, God's power got to them, he saw them. These are potential sheep. They're just helpless and harassed right now. They need some compassion. Notice what he prayed here, and we're going to close. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now notice he didn't say, Ask the Lord to send the harvest into the barn. Did he? He said, ask or pray that the Lord will send out what? Harvesters, laborers into the where? Field. Anybody that's ever done any gardening or, or farming knows this. You know, when, when, when your crops are right, you don't go stand in the barn. I wonder where all that corn is we planted. It's out there, numbskull. <laughs> you got to go harvest it. Isn't that right? So instead of us waiting for them to show up here on our Sunday paradigm, is Jesus said, why don't you pray and then go out into the harvest field and risk losing your reputation as super saint? I saw you talking to somebody over there in World Market, and they was over there by the beer. I bet you's thinking about buying some. We get all, we, just like Jesus told the Pharisees, you strain at the gnat and you swallow the camel. Good Lord. The church without walls. We're going to be talking about this and unpacking this more as we go along this month. Let me give you some action points. What is your view of the church? Maybe, maybe you've got some walls that define it. Maybe I didn't mention today, but if there are walls that are limiting and you can't find them in the Scriptures, then, you know, we need to tear down those walls. What's your view of the church? Oh, the church is, you know, it's something we do. It's an event. We come on Sundays, you know. Uh, we, we, we sing some songs. We, we, uh, maybe in our church we lift hands, and then, you know, we, we have the offering, and then Brother Bruce comes up and pray, and then, boy, 
Ooh-wee, he's about to go over. It's 1201. <laughs> Secondly, how does it compare to the picture the Scriptures give? How does it compare to the Scriptures? The highways, the byways, as we go about in our world, every man, woman in their world, you'll, you'll see people I won't see this week. I'll see people you may not see. Each one of us in our world, we are the church. And then lastly, what needs to be changed? What needs to be changed in us, my worldview, my, my view of the church? Amen? Listen, it's easy. I know it's easy. As pastor, it's easy. I've been, I'm in, I've in, started my 37th year of ministry. And I want to tell you, in ministry, just as being a believer, it's easy to get in a rut. This is how we do it. You could almost autopilot it. You know, in 37 years, how many times I've taught or preached? A lot. Man, it'd be so easy to just recycle stuff. You know, I understand that. I know that you're busy. I know that you have lives. You have jobs, and those jobs are a calling of God. We've talked about that before. You can go listen to our podcast when we talked about this. We talked about that your work, your vocation, that's a calling from God. That's holy too. I'm not going to get off on that now. Go go to the podcast. (laughs) But we talked about that's something that we've lost in the in the church too but i know in the midst of all that we're busy you have families you got kids you're trying to do all this i understand that you know uh uh, i've been there you know i've had our kids are grown but you know we know what it's like to do that but listen in the midst of all that remember that you are the church you have something in you that the world needs and who cares about if people get upset because you share the good news of Jesus. So they get upset. whoop de doo Oh, pastor, I might lose my job. Well, God will give you another job. Amen? You know, stand before Jesus. And Jesus, you know, I would have done more, but, you know, I didn't want to lose my job. I don't think we win. None of us really want to say that, do we? I'm not talking about you got to stand on your desk and show out. But I'm saying, as you have opportunity, you share. You share with people, you know. And don't give them the whole counsel of God. You know, they may only be ready for an eyedropper full or a teaspoonful. Amen. You can certainly be praying over them, can't you? Pray over your office. Pray over your, your, your uh, you know, if, if you work in a production uh, situation, pray over those people there. If you work in a warehouse, pray over those people in that warehouse. You know, I told you, you know, uh, time to time, Cindy will get me to go. I go shopping with her. That means I follow her around. And you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm going through Home Goods. I'm going through Kirkland's, you know. She's looking at pillows. Isn't this great, honey? Oh, that's beautiful, yeah. You know, but one thing I almost always do, very rarely I don't do, I always do, is I pray for everybody that's in that store. If God, if God prompt me, I'm going to share it with somebody. But I especially pray. I'm praying for them. I pray for the, the clerks. I pray for the people that are shopping. I pray for the people in the back that are working in the stock room. I pray for them. Amen. Start somewhere to get the salt out of your shaker. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for the unsearchable riches that we enjoy as believers. Lord, you've been so good. Your grace, your your compassion, your love found us, Lord. Lord, I, I was out just doing my own thing, but you found me. Thank God you sent labors. Labors came by my path that were bold enough, that were compassionate enough. 
And we're grateful for that. But God, I pray that you would use each one of us, that we at Passion Church, that Father, you would send us out. We would go out from this place with a different viewpoint today than we've had after today, that we would see that we are the church without walls. We're not defined by Sunday morning service. We're not defined by an event, but we are defined by the person and the presence of Jesus in our life. And we want to give that to as many as we can. If you're here today and you never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'd love to pray with you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. If we will believe in our heart and confess Jesus as our Lord, we shall be saved. If you've never done that, I want to just pray with you. Would you, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, would you just lift your hand? Just lift it up, put it back down. I'll know I'm praying for you. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or anything like that. Anybody. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right. Amen. Let me just uh, <clears throat> give you a couple of announcements, and then we're going to let you go. Uh, the church offices will be closed Wednesday, July the 4th. July the 4th, we're celebrating our Independence Day here in America. And let me just say this, you know, as I said earlier, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that there, there are things that, that are, could be better in our nation. But you know what? There's still a whole lot of things that are good. And so, you know, uh, don't just be a critic, but also be somebody who gives thanks to God on the 4th of July. Remember that. Amen. Uh, if you've had the privilege like Cindy and I have to live or travel in other nations, you know, even with all its flaws, boy, I'm telling you what, man, when I'd come back, man, I'd, I've been in Bolivia and been to the Amazon jungle out in the middle of nowhere. Man, it was hot and sweaty. I mean, and I'd come back in, you know, uh, to customs in Miami. Boy, it sure was good. They had one line, you know, it said U.S. citizens. Boy, I, I like that, man. I whip out that blue and gold passport Come on through, man. Yeah. I'm glad to be a citizen of heaven. Amen. Amen. And a citizen of this great nation, even with all its flaws. Also, we're going to be launching small groups uh, this fall, as I mentioned. If you are interested in either leading or hosting a small group uh, on your way out, of the, the main area going out by the table there, there's a sign-up there. Uh, we've, got an, we've already had one. A training session in June. We're going to have another one the last weekend, the last Saturday in July. If you'll sign up, we're going to help you uh, and share some things with you that can help you so that you'll feel comfortable leading one or comfortable hosting one, you know. And uh, these small groups are vitally, vitally important to the vision and the call of God because what? We're going to be the church without walls. I'm not going to let Sunday define us, and that's who we are. Amen. So if you want more information or you want to sign up, just on the, at the info table on the way out. Would you stand to your feet? <clears throat> Father, thank you that you have called us with a holy calling. And Father, I thank you that Sunday morning does not define that holy calling. And though that has its place, Father, as we go from this place, may each of us be, be aware, cognizant, Lord, that we are the church without walls and that what we have, hurting people need. Use us this week, oh God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, the prayer team will be up here. We'll be glad to agree with you in prayer. If you're visiting again, welcome. God bless you. We hope we see you again soon.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.